grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Abraham's grandson Jacob wrestled with God through the night. God located Jacob's, dislocated Jacob's hip, and yet Jacob prevailed. Jacob would not let God go without receiving first a blessing, and God gave him a blessing. In today's scripture lessons, God, we can see some very different examples of wrestling with God. It is done by both Christians and with non-Christians. The godly must wrestle with God's truth and therefore receive it with joy and hold fast to it despite the many voices out there wrestling with us to abandon the truth of God's word. As Christians, we know that God never fails. His word is always true, and God never lies. Therefore, our confidence is in what God says and what he teaches. Our confidence is in what Christ earns for us and for our salvation. God's word is so important that we certainly want to know its details and to also strive for unity among God's people. A prayer Jesus himself had prayed for in his high priestly prayer in John 17. Pure doctrine is important, and striving for it should never be dismissed as incessant internal purification. St. Jude writes, I found it necessary to appeal to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. An example of this sensuality was seen this past Thursday as our nation observed Transgender Day of Visibility. A few verses before today's gospel, Jesus said, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You see, true knowledge is not found in what we think, to be street smart and to know the ways of the world. But true knowledge is found in the word of Christ. Freedom is not what we often think. We often think freedom is to not have anyone tell us what's right and what's wrong. Freedom, as we often think, is we often think is engaging in whatever sin, but the reality is there is no freedom found in engaging in sin because as Jesus teaches, that is slavery to sin. True freedom instead is found in Christ who earned our salvation and opened the gates of heaven to all who believe in him, the very Lamb of God who cancels out all our debt and takes our sin away. That is freedom. When Jacob wrestled with God, he probably didn't know at first what was happening. He may have thought that he was fighting with his brother Esau, of whom he was feuding with. At some point, he must have figured out that he is striving for God, namely the Son of God, the pre-incarnate Christ. As part of his blessing, Jacob is now named, called Israel. And on that name, Luther wrote, Israel means a prince or God's fighter. 
that is, he who wrestles with God and wins. This happens through that faith which holds so firmly to God's word until it overcomes God's wrath and obtains God as the gracious Father. We can see this wrestling from a few angles in today's scripture lessons. We certainly wrestle with our feelings as we cling to or even when we wrestle with the saving word of God. Also, we wrestle with various enemies as we walk with Christ amid a fallen world. The Jews in today's gospel wrestled with Jesus, so to speak, and they certainly lost. They were holding to their own personal, deeply-seated beliefs. Ironically, in doing so, they weren't just holding to what they wanted to personally believe, but they were going along with a whole group of people. Many today, when they are tempted to depart from God's word, they aren't expressing themselves as they suppose, but like lemmings, they are running with a crowd toward a giant cliff. The crowd in our gospel let their feelings win. And so, rejecting the word, the true word which Jesus was proclaiming, they picked up stones to throw at Jesus. Now, staring down our enemies is no easy task, yet that is what both Abraham and Jesus are doing in our readings. They faced them head on and did not back away. They wrestled with that which was placed in front of them. They, of course, did so according to our Lord's directive. Therefore, I encourage you, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, to think about the fears that you face, the crosses that you suffer, the temptations that you bear, and the various matters that keep you up at night. There's no end to the troubles that we face in this fallen world. Yet we can see in both Abraham and in our Lord Christ fantastic examples of facing them. It is difficult to even think about putting our shoes in Abraham's situation. He is told that through him all the nations will be blessed. He is promised that he will have a son who will carry on the messianic line that is through one of his descendants, born to Abraham and Sarah, the Messiah will come. Jesus will be born. Abraham and Sarah had waited for many years to have a child. She was found to be barren. And after pretty much giving up and at Sarah's own suggestion, Abraham slept with Hagar the servant, and she bore a son to Hagar and Abraham named Ishmael. But Ishmael is not the one that God had promised who would carry the Messianic line. He is not the intended promise. So when Sarah is 90 years old, clearly beyond the age of childbearing, and when Abraham is 100, she finally gives birth to the promised son Isaac. Now fast forward, 15 to 25 years, Abra Isaac is probably a teenager, but maybe in his 20s, and now God commands Abraham to take his son, the child of the promise, up to the 
a mountain in the land of Moriah and offer this son, his boy, as a burnt offering. Who could do such a thing? They had waited so long and God miraculously provided and now kill him even before he has any children of his own? How can this be? I cannot imagine the pain of losing a child. Most of us don't even want to think about it, yet God has seen it fit for some to carry that type of burden. When that tragedy strikes, it is inflicted upon them. They aren't the cause of it. That is, they don't take their child and bring them up on a mountain to slay them on the altar. Yet that is what Abraham must now do. He must deal with something that most of us would fail at. Will we follow God and do what he says at the loss of our own child? Or will we go our own way because we cannot stand to lose the very thing that we love? Abraham's choices were clinging to God in faith or clinging to his child. Jesus brings salvation and an eternal future. The other, that child, if he weren't the seed of the promise, would bring a temporary future and momentary joys. Again, this is an, an unimaginably painful thing to even consider. Yet Abraham wakes up the next morning, rises early, and does precisely as God instructs him to do. He saddles that donkey. He brings wood to servants and his own son. They travel for three days to the mountain. And when they approach the place for sacrifice, Abraham instructs his servants to stay there for a while while he and Isaac go to worship. In faith, he says that they will come back to them. As Isaac is carrying the wood up the mountain, he then asks Abraham, his father, a good question. Where is the lamb for the sacrifice? And in faith, Abraham says that the Lord will provide. Abraham builds an altar there at the place that God commands. Abraham then binds his own son. He raises his knife to slaughter his son. And suddenly, a voice from heaven calls upon Abraham. After hearing that Abraham must not slaughter his son, but Abraham is now told that he is found faithful, God provides a ram caught in the thicket by his horns to serve as a substitutionary sacrifice. This is impressive on many levels. Abraham's faith is tested, and he does as God instructs. He doesn't rebel. He doesn't reject what God says to do. He doesn't even try to negotiate with God. He doesn't cling on to the very thing that he felt was the most, that many would feel is the most important to them, their, chi their children. He doesn't even plead for another way. But instead, he wrestles against his emotions and he goes along with the word of God. That is faith. Also, look at the many connections of this account to our Lord's passion. Just as Abraham used a donkey to travel to 
this location. So Jesus enters Jerusalem on a donkey to be used as a sacrifice. In fact, the place in which they go, the land of Moriah, the place of these many different mountains is the place where Jerusalem would be built. And so Isaac is offered as a sacrifice, or almost offered, the ram is offered as a sacrifice on the place in which Jerusalem would be. They travel for three days, and Jesus is in the grave for three days. Isaac carries the wood, and Jesus carries his own cross. They go up Mount Moriah, and Jesus is sacrificed on Mount Calvary, just outside of Jerusalem. Isaac is bound, and Jesus is scourged and nailed to the cross. Isaac is laid up on the altar, and Jesus is laid up on the cross. And then what's also impressive is that there is a substitute offered for Isaac. This is perhaps the most significant type of Christ in this entire pericope, that is the entire reading. Isaac doesn't die here, but Jesus dies on the cross. The ram is offered in the place of Isaac. And in the same way, Jesus is sacrificed in your place so that you can be set free from your sin and so that you can be set free from death, so that you can live eternally. Isaac's life is spared, and therefore yours is too. Because just as the ram died in Isaac's place, so Jesus died in your place. Isaac continued to live, and so do you. For Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice, made, paid the penalty, offered himself as the ransom payment through the shedding of his own blood. Abraham's faith here is impressive, but there were many times that he failed to do what is right. We, from that, we can conclude that Abraham was not saved by what he did, nor was he condemned by what he had done wrong. Instead, the Bible says that Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. God counted Abraham as righteous by grace through faith in Christ. Job 2 was declared righteous by faith. Job, too, was declared by God to be a child of God. Yet Job suffered immensely as he lost his animals, he lost his servants, he lost all ten of his children, they all died. Yet Job believed, and after that time of trial was over, God restored double the servants and double the animals, and Job had ten more children. And at the resurrection, Job will enjoy being with all 20 children. Those who have buried their children in the Lord can look forward to being with them at the glorious day of the resurrection. Abraham is spoken of in today's gospel reading. The Jews who rejected Jesus were confident of their standing with God. They were con their confidence was not in Christ, but their confidence was found in their ancestry, for they were descendants of Abraham, and they figured that that promise given that they will be as numerous as the sands of the seashore and the stars of the heaven applied to them. But then Jesus contradicts them. Jesus says that their father is not Abraham, but their father is the devil. You see, those descendants that God talked about as that, that were so numerous are not those who are biologically descendants of Abraham, 
But as the scriptures declare, they are the ones who believe in Jesus Christ. So through faith, Abraham is your father. Through faith, you are a descendant of Abraham. Jesus, when saying these things, faithfully faced his enemies. He did not back away from them. He did not hide true doctrine out of fear of how his enemies may retaliate. But using the word of God as his weapon, speaking the truth and speaking it clearly, he wrestled with them. For only that word of truth saves. Lies, as Jesus notes, comes from Satan. And following lies leads to eternal death. So we will boldly confess the truth regardless of the cost. After all, Jesus said in our gospel, Amen, Amen. Our translation says, truly, truly, King James, verily, verily. But it's best translated, left untranslated, as amen, amen. Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever keeps my word will never see death. We will live in Christ, for Jesus himself lives. Death could not conquer our Lord but he rose from the grave, defeating death. Jesus testified the truth, even the truth that he is, I am. The very God who visited Moses at the burning bush when Moses had said, who should I say sent me? And God says, tell him I am, has sent me to you. This was too much though for his enemies to handle. And so the enemies of Jesus picked up stones to throw at Jesus, but he hid himself and left the temple. For his hour, the time of his passion, the time in which he will be glorified had not yet come. Later, Jesus would enter Jerusalem on a donkey, and he goes to the cross to fulfill his Father's will and save us from our sin. The truth of God sets us free. He forgives us and grants us eternal life. But when we have peace with God, we will suffer persecution. Many will seek to impugn our character. Many will seek to destroy our faith and our lives. But we, like Abraham, will not lose focus. We will follow our Lord as he leads us. We will go forward as Abraham did, relying on the good judgment of God. God had a plan when he commanded Abraham to take Isaac to Moriah. It couldn't have made much sense to Abraham, but Abraham knew the goodness of God and trusted in him. And so we, also knowing the goodness of God, trust in our Lord. We are confident in his word of truth, and we rejoice in the salvation won by Christ on the cross, who died for us and who rose from the grave triumphantly for our justification. Thanks be to God. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting.